You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. And the hits just keep on coming. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, how's it going? Thank you to everybody who is starting their Save Cranky uh, tweets this week. I am feeling better. I... <laughs> Got really bad missing this week's preview show. I would have said we'd probably get our asses kicked and looked, looked horribly and have a terrible quarterback controversy after. So I was 100% right in my predictions. This was a pathetic performance, and I think everybody except Saquon Barkley is to blame at least a little bit. Um, it was hard to watch if it weren't a Thursday night game, and today being Sunday, I'd probably be more pissed about it. But, I mean, I think even by the time we left the game, I wasn't even mad anymore. I was just disgusted. I was sick as a dog still. We were suffering through the bad weather and everything, and it was just kind of a relief. We actually did stay longer than we thought. I think I before we walked in, I imposed a 21-point rule when we leave. We actually did hang around past the first wave of everybody leaving because there's no point standing in a train line. So yeah. we stuck it out to about five minutes left. Um, so the game ended 34-13. It was not nearly as close as that sounds. It could have been 65-13. to 13. Uh, I think some injuries might have hurt the team a little bit. Not having Ingram and Ellison is a big deal, but nothing that would have made a big difference in the score, I don't think. Uh, I think no. Philly slowed down because they had just taken such control of the game. Um, we had no answer on defense by halftime. There was just no answer for stopping that Eagles offense, which is, quite frankly, a group of average receivers in Zach Ertz. Um, mm-hmm. And they have a quarterback who could have a quarterback who can make plays at the right time. Yeah, um, big, they were even, thing. but they were even down a running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, offensively, we couldn't figure out anything, and while it seemed that handing the ball to Barkley was working is he got 130 yards rushing on only 13 carries, which is, again, inexcusable. Barkley, though, totaled 229 yards from scrimmage, which is just... I can't remember the last time we had a running back that did anything even remotely close to that productive. I, I think that run that Tiki Barber had that last year when he was like running for 200 yards and doing everything, that's his... The last we've had someone who consistently did that. What was that, like 2005, uh, six? It's around there, yeah. yeah. Uh, let me throw some stats at you real quick, Grum. Okay, go for it. The Giants are tied for sixth in the league, 4.6 yards of an attempt, tied for 22nd in rushing attempts. Yeah. Now, part of that might be because we're behind in a lot of these games, but, and we, you know, you have to play catch up, but. As you have been talking about week after week, and is becoming pretty apparent, they give up on the run way too quick. Way the, too the, quick. The, the offense, now that we're past week six and we really start to understand what the trends are with this team, they are committing themselves to a quick get the ball out of Eli's hands as fast as possible and pray that playmakers can make plays. And I don't know if that's just a fear of this offensive line that just, you know, and I'm going to put this in a combination of Eli and the coaching staff has no trust in the offensive line to do anything else. I'll put this also on the fact that something I said back early summer that I always thought Mike Shula sucked as an offensive line, uh, offensive coordinator. And I know that Shermer does do a lot of play calling as well, but you know, this, he's never been an, an imaginative play caller and I always thought he was terrible. And the fact that I think Eli just isn't making the plays when the opportunities are there. So it's almost like a perfect storm. It's a perfect storm of this is the only thing they think they can do. Whether they can or can't, it's a culture problem right now on this offense. And I don't know how it's how that's going to be fixed this year. I think you're just going to see more of it. Well, I will say um, everything you said is is true. Um at the same time, I don't think there's any excuse. I mean, as we saw, this this offense only got any momentum out of Saquon Barkley. And sometimes those were screens, but sometimes they were runs, too. I mean, he had two big runs from scrimmage. All it takes is 
if he's able to do all that on his own, which is the case, it's all that. I mean, yeah, of course, downfield, once he's breaking tackles, he's getting good blocks. I don't want to say that it's literally just him versus 11 guys, but him making the first three guys miss all on his own and then finding an opening, that's on him. Uh, so yeah. the fact that he can do that from scrimmage with a handoff is proof enough that it's okay if the running game you know, goes one yard, three yards, zero yards, 75 yards. It's okay. They have to stick yeah. to it because there's no amount of uh, dropping back that's going to work or play action that's going to work if they're not afraid that you're going to run the ball. And simply yeah. having Barkley back there isn't enough because he is a utility knife, because they have uh, you know linebackers and safeties spying on him out of the backfield. If if they're not legitimately concerned that he's going to take the ball from the quarterback, then it won't matter. And yeah. there's there's reason enough in his individual ability to fear that. It's just a matter of repetition. It has to be done in games. It doesn't matter how often we run the ball all year. It matters in the game only. Yeah. Um, that reactive shit, it, it doesn't happen because you game plan that they're going to run the ball. You react because of what you've seen all game. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> you, and also things, that for, especially for this offense where, you know, this defense wears down for being on the field so long because the offense doesn't do anything. A commitment to running the ball, it does wear down clock. Which it is what we thought we were going to see. We thought that one of the things with the defense last year was that they simply were, and, and, and quite frankly the year before, uh, we thought that the defense just didn't perform as well because by the third quarter they had already played a full game's worth of you know, time on the field. We're not seeing a whole hell of a difference this year. Um, no. Um, you know, I, I also think some of it though, I've been disappointed up until now. And, and this is sort of where the rest of this episode is going. We could talk about the game if you really wanted us to, but there's no point. Um, oh, yeah. th- I am disappointed in what I've seen from James Betcher's defense. Uh, I understand that we've switched to a three, four, and perhaps we started the reason the the season without all of the components necessary to put a functional defense on the field. It's tough to switch schemes like that. Um, but this defense has not seemed nearly as aggressive as what I was expecting or what we've seen in Arizona. It seemed like a lot of zone, a lot of open shit in the middle of the field. Um, and I thought one of the biggest things that we were going to see as a problem was Eli Apple, a continuation of last year, where it hasn't been him at all. He's been pretty Johnny on the spot um, and kind of... Mm-hmm the leap that we would have expected from him last year. It simply seems like the scheme just isn't working. Uh, yeah. And, and we saw Vernon for the first time on Thursday this year, and he looked pretty dominant, uh, you know, as a pass rusher. I mean, I had mentioned that Philly was operating with some hurt tackles, but uh, he had one tackle for a loss, one sack. But his pressure, I think, is really what we were missing. And he also played a lot more than we both expected, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We expected to see him ease. We weren't exactly sure, you know, if he'd play last Sunday or play this Thursday, how many snaps he'd get in. And we did see, uh, you know, I think we saw something like 45 snaps out of him or something. It was a big number. Yeah. And and quite frankly, I, I just want to say that I was the only one who said that he would play Thursday, and he did. Just just pointing that out. Bravo! You. You're welcome. You can't see it, but I'm doing the uh, Olympic, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um <laughs> I guess the question becomes, what do you do with the rest of the season, right? Yeah, I, I think this really, it, it becomes a much bigger conversation now, and this is our theme. We've had, you know, we're, we're six games in, so it's no longer, well, it's early, they're starting to gel. I mean, they're no. gelling this team. The question becomes, and putting aside, we understand where we came from, and we understand that this is part of a rebuild process. Yeah. That does not excuse what's going on this year has this coaching staff maximized the talent that they were dealt and what has been accumulated in the offseason? Have that conversation. Are we underachieving? We're, we're certainly not overachieving. Are we achieving? Is this kind of what was expected? You know, are, we leaving, you know, are we leaving it on the field where we should be better? So I, I think now is a really good time to talk about it and what can be done the rest of this season. Well, Don't I, worry. Yeah. And, that, and last thing with that is that that does – I mean, we're not starting the conversation of should we have drafted a quarterback no. or you know, this is a 
2018 state of the team, and we'll deal about 19 and, and everything else later. But today, let's just talk about this team. So I, I think it's important to take a step back and look at what we've seen this season and not answer those questions based on a Thursday night game, right? I mean, I understand they looked pathetic. No one's excusable except for Barkley, I think. Um, but we have to remember that it's a division game on a short turnaround. Even if they had won, it probably wasn't going to be pretty, right? So I think it's important that when we answer those questions, we take a full look at the team. And at the first six games we have seen. Yeah, and I will say that what I saw against Carolina was a lot of what I expected from this team. Uh, we saw a lot of fight down there, also a lot of, you know, imperfections, right? Uh, we, we saw the big plays, we saw the ability, we saw the utilization of what this offense could be, um, what this defense could be. You know, we had... Uh, two interceptions in that game, I think. Um, mm -hmm. They were very stout against the run. That is what I expected from this team. They also failed, which is not, you know, outside of the realm of what I thought. I mean, it, we did, we thought that this team might be 8-8, eight 7-9, and 9-7. Eight, and nine, nine you know, somewhere in that area. And what we saw against Carolina, if they played every game the way they played against Carolina, they'd probably be around that. Um, well, you just hit the nail on the head with the biggest problem with this team right now is a total lack of consistency. Well, sure, but I, I think... That's it. I mean, that's yeah. that's what bad teams are. Bad teams are just completely... Inc the, the terrible teams, the truly 1-15 in 15 teams, are consistently awful. Yeah. Teams that are 3-13, and 13, you know, up to 7-9, are just woefully inconsistent. Well, you'll see flashes of it. I mean, there's, there's too much individual skill talent at skill positions where flashes of things should happen. And I'm not even talking about just Beckham and Barkley. I'm talking about guys like Janoris Jenkins yeah. and Snacks, where you're going to see, you know, there's too much of that high-end talent in little pieces here where you're going to see the big play and the, you know, the little rally of a couple of plays, but it's just inconsistent as a whole. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think what you do with the rest of this season I think a lot of this is going to fall on the coaching staff. I, there's not a whole lot that the players can do. I mean, until we start seeing some loafing or lack of effort, um, the players are just going to have to go with the scheme and do play their hearts out. As long as it looks like their effort is on the field, then that's all you can really ask from players. Um, what Shermer needs to do is figure out what the fuck broke, where the weaknesses are, and A, how to game plan a little bit better, figure out what is going on with the offense, and B, adjust in-game to things. I don't think we've seen a whole lot of changing at halftime from what what we saw in the first half. And I think that's what the better teams in this league do is, yeah, okay, we came up with a game plan, but this is what we actually see as working, so we're just going to roll with that. And I think that's one of the things that the Patriots do better than any other team. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of that's going to fall on Pat Shermer and Mike Shula. I think also what you said about Mike Shula is true. I think he's not the greatest thing ever. I also think he's a temporary hire. Um, I think he might be a two to three year hire, but also remember that Mike Shula came from Carolina most recently, right? Where he was also part of the team that went to the Super Bowl. So he okay. was with the Carolina Panthers in 2015 when they were mostly a defensive juggernaut, but offensively were putting up big points. I mean, that, well, that's, and also had a quarterback that can do things on his own and was I understand. on a whole other, other plan. But I understand sure. that. But but what I'm going to point out is, if you remember, Cam Newton did not adjust to his offense right away in 2013. That's correct. Um, he was very openly critical of the offense. And, you know, he went into press conferences where he kind of put all the blame on the offense, none of it on himself. It took time. And I don't want to say that this is just a matter of time. But maybe it took a little, maybe it took a little working Mike Shula with Cam Newton and the offensive pieces that he had to make it work. Well, maybe, let's you know, let's talk about the most important thing with this team right now. Go for this it. This team is this team is being built where time is not an ally. True. We are starting with the philosophy 
that we are building, we are rebuilding this team around Eli Manning as our quarterback. Well, but we'll, we'll, get, right we'll, get into Eli, we'll get into Eli in a minute about yeah. what he's doing, but okay. the, the fundamental thing was we are building this team around Eli Manning. And this team does not have the time to adjust to a Mike Shula offense, one that at best is adequate. And we've seen a lot of examples in the past of it being very bad. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Well, I'll, I'll, before we get too far into the Eli Manning thing or even the Mike Shula thing, I think it's important when we talk about Pat Shermer and what he needs to do for this season and what not to do, I think it's important that we recognize that subbing out players for what's on the bench to see if they can do better is not an option. Uh, when we talked about this team, we were hopeful for the starters. We saw some holes in the starters. But the biggest thing we took away is that there was no depth. When I say that, I mean sitting Eli Manning to see what we have in Kyle Loletta is a fucking mistake. Yeah, I have a whole thing about that we're going to talk about uh, in 30 seconds. But I mean, uh, but, 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 I mean yeah. it goes beyond Eli. I mean, yes. sitting B.W. Webb for Dante Dion, sitting uh, uh, Alec Ogletree to see what we have in B.J. Goodson and – Get get real. This season is it, not going to the Super Bowl or the playoffs, okay? So seeing what we have in depth, I can tell you what we have in depth. It's not good enough. Yeah, I want to talk about something It's called, I call it the fan fallacy. Yeah. Where fans mistakenly think that everybody on a roster is equal. Yeah. And next man up, you always hear that term, next man up. That's not the way it works. That's not the way you allocate your salary cap money. That's not the way you draft that's not the way you pick your 53-man roster. That's not the way you pick your starters. It's not a toss of the of the coin flip to say, is it Eli Manning or Alex Tanney? There are legitimate starters in this league. There are legitimate backups in this league. Backups' job is to back up. They play if they have to, not because they're ready to go and, well, if this guy isn't doing the job, the next guy will step up. They have to play. So... Keep that in mind. I know it's, it's the fan fallacy where they think that everybody's equal. And, well, if this guy isn't doing it, the next guy should. Trust me, it can be a lot worse than you think it's going right now. And and I want to address something because we, we didn't bring it up, but Eric Flowers was cut. Um, clearly, he was not really part of the team anymore once he was no longer in the starting lineup. And you might point to that as an I- instance in which we were wrong. Um, and I, I would think that... Sure. I think there is a percentage of that that's not right. I think he was clearly not in the plans for next year, though. They knew that already going into this year. Um, Even if he had played well, he was just going to be increasing his contract for some other team. I don't think they were planning, because then he would be outpriced. Mm -hmm. The, The Giants would be outpriced for him if he had played really well at right tackle. I don't think there was a shred of possibility that he was going to be on the team in 2019, good or bad. So, I mean, that factors into it a little bit. It also factors into it in, in, in that we might be a little bit wrong there is that perhaps his lack of effort, his locker room presence, the fact that he was not very well liked on the team, um, you know, as as people have pointed out that he's not really a big part of the other uh, offensive linemen. He's not very friendly. They, it's, Quite frankly, he's not very well liked. You know, maybe getting rid of him helped the offensive line just because he was bringing them down a little bit. But that's not to say that Chad Wheeler has brought them up at all. Um, if you look at him, his tape individually, he's got some fight in him, but he got completely overwhelmed in pretty much every game he's played. Um, yeah. You know, he's you not... Have, you, you have no improvement from what you had before in Eric Flowers. No, yeah, I think that's the, the only line. improvement you have is that he doesn't bring the team down. He's just not good. I mean, yeah. you could just and, look at his and, pro football focus and, and it's bad. We have less depth now at tackle yeah. on either side. So yeah. the team, you may have hated Eric Flowers. You may have cursed him out from day one and booed him and couldn't get rid of him. But the fact is the Giants are worse without him because depth is a problem on this team. Yeah, now they have a depth problem. That's that's yes. true. Um, yes. Nevertheless, uh, I think our – what we're saying is what's important is not to just start subbing out players because guys aren't performing. Look, if they're not performing, they just won't be back next year. But that's not it's not time to just start leaving Eli Manning even less protected by seeing what we have to play right guard and you know what I mean? Like Right. It, it, it's important that this team plays to win every week, whether they're in the hunt or not. 
Yeah. Um, there, especially because we know that there is no depth at any percent. There is nobody sitting on the bench that could be playing a starting position next year. I don't think at any position. Right. Now let's talk about Eli. Because okay. that's the elephant in the room, and that's what everybody wants to talk about. <laughs> Go for to it. Me, to me, there really are five legitimate options right now, and there's actually a six, which is silly, but I'll throw it in there. Option number one. Keep Eli as a starter for the rest of the season. Option number two, you bench him, and Alex Tanney's your quarterback. Option number three, you bench him, you bring in Kyle Oletta. Option number four, you sign a quarterback off the street, somebody that's not playing right now. You know, I'll throw a name out, Colin Kaepernick. I'm not saying him, but that's an option you could do to finish out this season. Option number five is to trade for a quarterback. And then option number six, if you want to be silly, is just run the Wildcat every single play with Barkley. (laughs) But, I mean, (laughs) those are really the only five legitimate options they have right now. Um, If you are going with Alex Tanney, everybody's like, well, give him a shot. Let's see what he can do. Remember, this is a guy that's been on eight teams in eight years and has thrown 10 NFL passes. You can't tell me that this guy is ready to step in and people want this change to happen because they want to see improvement in the offense. You don't tell me that a guy who's never played is, you know, eight teams have seen him. Not only is this some guy who's an emergency fill-in, but not good enough to keep or worthwhile to keep after that is an option. Kyle Aletta, you bring him in, a guy for this entire season has been playing scout team. A guy up until the last week in training camp, they didn't even know it was going to be on the roster or not. You know, we had a battle with Davis Webb. To all of a sudden throw him into the mix who hasn't been preparing with the first team offense or really with the offense. He's been spending his time studying the other team's offense to play them as a scout team. Um, and also, people are saying, well, bring in Laletta because let's, let's evaluate what he can do and see what he has. Do you seriously want him to play behind this offensive line right now? You know, uh, uh, an offense where this, you know, this coaching staff has such little confidence in the passing game, they're going to rely on a quarterback who is green and will be scared shitless back there to make better decisions and be more decisive than a guy who's been here for 17 years. Those, what you want, you want change, and it's not going to work. And the other two options, you know, signing a quarterback off the street, that's guys are on the street because they're on the street. Unless they're protesting the national anthem. <laughs> they're not legitimate options. And trading for a quarterback, I've heard everything from trade and get uh, Davis Webb back. Trade for uh, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. This team's in rebuild mode. They have to – only assets they have worth a shit to make give up in a trade are draft picks. Why would this team in their right mind trade for a guy – Give up draft picks when most likely they're going to probably try to draft for a quarterback next year. So giving away picks when you're doubling up on a position, it makes zero sense. Mm. I mean, as much as it sucks and as much as you are sick and tired of Eli and you think it's his fault, we can also debate how much it really is his fault. It's the best option right now. You got to stick with him. Yeah, I have to agree. Uh, signing a QB, trading a QB, those are silly options. Uh, I mean, that's just as silly as running the Wildcat with Barkley on every play. I know. It, I mean, it, it really is. It's as realistic as doing that. But it's also, you're hanging on to this season. I understand that, uh, what are they, like two and a half games out or something like that? I, I get that mathematically <laughs> yeah. they're not totally removed, but you're, you're trying to hang on to something that's gone. It's time to really evaluate and figure out what the best course of action is for this ship because – it just this this franchise exists beyond January. Well, let me ask you something, Grump, and this is an important question. Do you believe management and coaching staff that they are in full rebuilding mode, or you think they were trying harder to win this year, and it's just been a colossal failure with some of the moves they made? Uh, Dan Duggan had this tweet today that just really pissed me off. <laughs> He's like, I don't believe for a minute that they weren't playing to win now and make a playoff run this year. And he cited such ludicrous examples as they used all their salary cap money 
They spent draft picks to get Alex Ogletree. Um, you know, some of these guys they got, you know, these free agent pick signings, you know, were meant like Stewart and like Soldier were for to win now. I mean, you can do both. You can try to do as best as you can. Exactly. I, I don't believe they were had really serious thoughts that they're going to turn this roster around and become a playoff team, but they also know, and this is exactly what's happening right now, if they are a wretched one in five, there's zero confidence in them. I mean, just read a newspaper, put on the fan, do anything where confidence is kind of shot right now. Like, this team's a mess. And you're hearing things, and you know, again, may not be the smartest people saying these things, but I thought we brought a new coach and GM to make things better, and it feels worse. Um, okay, so I've been having this argument with people since Pat Shermer was hired, um, since we started doing this thing, since Gettleman was brought in, uh, whether or not this was a rebuild or a win-now team. It is possible to do both, um, and I think that's what it is. I think they tried to make the best roster they could this year while also setting up for the future. I, I don't think that's an incredibly ingenious plan either. It's just it is what it is. Um, I've said enough about how the one-year rebuild is bullshit. I don't need to rehash that. Um, but, I mean, like you said, the ludicrous examples from Dan Duggan, and I knew I knew <laughs> I was going to reference it if you didn't. Uh, we didn't speak about this just for you know the audience. Yeah. We, we have not talked about that tweet, but I saw it too, and I was like, oh, this is so annoying. It's not one or the other. Um, right. And I think it's clear. I mean, just because they, they didn't draft a quarterback is, does not mean that they're in win-now mode. It's just because they traded for Alec Ogletree. Listen, they switched to a 3-4. They didn't have adequate linebacker resources to put a f- team on the field without <laughs> trading for Alec Ogletree. I mean, let's get real. Using all thing, their salary cap money, I mean... Then you, then you become a team like the Bucks or the, or the Jaguars or people like, oh, the ownership is cheap. They're not spending any money. Yes, and... and but, I mean, also, again, you're switching whole schemes on both sides of the ball. They needed to spend the money to put a, f- a team on the field. It's plain and simple. Um, well, Grump, here's the other thing, too. Name one move they made for 2018 success that will impact the future. I could name many. I mean, the, no, the, I'm saying, no, no, no. In, a, in, a, in an attempt for win now, that will negatively impact the future. Oh, none. None. I mean, signing Nate Solder, they it's needed a It's a four-year deal. It's a four-year deal. Did they overspend? Probably, because that's what the market yeah, was. But they Alex didn't. Ogletree, they, they spent what the market demanded. They didn't overspend like we yeah. see, you know. Alec Ogletree is one year older than Odell Beckham. It's not like he's a – it's not like they're hire, uh, signing Carl Banks, who's 56 years old. He's <laughs> getting into the prime of his career. That's not a – you know, Stewart, okay. Yeah, we, I mean, so, we can so, agree that so, maybe that wasn't the best signing, but... So what does that really mean? It cost $3 million in the 2019 cap. $3 million out of $130 million is, is a drop in the bucket. So nothing that they did in the short term will negatively impact the long term. However, I can point to it, at least one big example of them making a move for the future. They did not stick with Jason Pierre-Paul this year and instead drafted another defensive lineman. I, I mean, I understand that... I mean, Pierre Paul does fit in a 3-4. He would have played a perfectly good five technique. Um, they it's What they 20, did is... It's $20 million. That they they, just they up completely year. dumped off his contract for next year. That was a next year move. They drafted a guy in BJ Hill that everybody I've ever spoken to, with the exception of a friend of ours who went to NC State, thought that he was going to take some time to develop. And for some fucking reason, he's just a goddamn animal. And is one of the best players on the defensive line. Um, you know, I think that that was a clear move for the future and not for this year. Uh, I even, understand even that Pierre the- Paul is, you know, a hit or miss guy, but, you know, I, I, that to me was definitely a rebuild move. Like, we cannot have this contract on our roster next year. We both applauded it the second it happened. We yeah. liked Pierre Paul. You had a Pierre Paul jersey, but you know something? This is a guy who last year did not play as well in his first year of his big contract as he did the year before in his contract year. Yes. And it's a guy who some, had some issues with his motor throughout the ter- life of his giant career. A guy yeah. who thought it was more important to play fireworks than be, you know. <laughs> the, I, I mean, you laugh. But I, it's I, the I, truth. This is, yeah. It's not our problem anymore. And all um, of a sudden we have the $20 million back on the cap next year. And 
and even Eli, you know, if we want to talk about next year, you know, the decision will be made. You know, we just said that the, the smartest solution now is just to suck it up with Eli for the rest of the year. You know, let Gettleman make his decision if he wants to reevaluate his plan of building around him. If you cut him next year, that's not guaranteed money. I think there's a dead caps hit of like six million, but I think it also saves seventeen million on the cap next year too. So it's the contract is not as detrimental if you get rid of them as it might appear to be. Well, so, I, do, do we realistically think that they will be cutting Eli Manning or that they will at the very least coax him into retirement? I think you will see a situation very similar to Tom Coughlin where. Well, decides well to I, I have I've already already expressed this to people who don't seem to remember that Tom Coughlin was not signed for the year after he left. He was simply not retained. Right. They just did not renew his contract. He was not fired. He was not asked to leave. He just was not renewed for the next year. For people who think that he was fired right. and we should have held on to him is not the case no, of no, what no. happened. He was not fired. He just was not re- he just not offered another contract. Right. They will do something similar in the way it's handled in the public with Eli. Yes, I, I believe Eli, so, too. Eli might go up and give a hostage uh, video saying he's retiring, but it might be something he might be coaxed into doing. Yeah, and quite yeah I agree with that. The evidence why he might do that is pretty overwhelming, that he is gonna t- he's taking a beating this year. His, you know, his image is taking a beating. His performance is taking a beating. You know, there's no definitive here's how the offensive line will be better next year we don't know any of these things until free agency and and it's right he's going to be 38 years old or something so i really think you know and that's okay i mean we're only one year into this plan with Gettleman, and if he's decided to build around a quarterback he might get a do-over where he might be able to pick whatever quarterback he wants in this draft so we might get very fortunate with that well let's let's talk about that how yes. much do you think drafting a quarterback next year will help right away, or is that another step of this rebuilding process? That's another step in the rebuilding process. Okay. I, you know, so, that's, I mean, do you think this is like Baker Mayfield being drafted and automatically he's the guy and he's trotted out there to take control of the offense? Or do I you mean, think this is know. more I mean, of a uh, Josh Rosen scenario where they have – well, I, I guess I guess it's sort of a bad example. Uh, let's say Jared Goff situation, where he mm-hmm. sits for a full year behind uh, Case Keenum, they suck ass, and then the next year it comes in and Jared Goff is suddenly like some kind of god, um, I, but I realistically honestly, had a full year of being the number two under his belt. I honestly think it depends on Eli Manning. Okay. I think if Eli Manning decides he's not going to retire, he's going to play out his contract, I think Eli will be back next year starting the season with a quarterback, a you know, a franchise potential quarterback waiting in the wings. What might get ugly next year is week two, week three, week four. Mm-hmm. Eli plays the way he's playing now, a year older, a year after more hits. We don't know what the offensive line is going to be, but right now you're hearing some people with, eh, bring Tanny in, bring Loletta in, let's see what they can do. That's a whole lot different. Then investing a bring first in, round pick, yeah. No, yeah, bring Lock in. Bring Drew Lock in right now. Bring uh, Herbert in right now. It's it's a whole different course. So but you know something? If he's ready, he's ready. And you know that's a problem that's a lot that's a whole different problem than we have right now where we are both agreeing that Eli is the solution. Well not the solution, but the best course of action right now, where that may not be the case next year. Um, I just want to reference one thing. I, I mean, I know we're we're having this conversation now, and we could be having the conversation of like, why didn't they just do that this year instead of? I think what we saw out of Barkley, specifically on Thursday, is the reason why they didn't do that. I mean, sure, there was a chance that they were going to go really well into the season and not be drafting up high, but what we saw in Barkley, he's a different running back than everybody else in the league, right? I mean, is there somebody else you'd rather have back there? I'm asking yeah, you. But you I'm, I'm just being serious. Right is, now, there, is there another running back in the NFL that you'd rather have back there than Sa- Saquon Barkley? Uh, right now, no. And I was actually thinking about that watching the Cowboy game today. Is you know, We're recording this on a Sunday night mm-hmm. for you know a day early um, 
release. But I'm watching Elliott, and I'm thinking two things. It must be nice to have an offensive line. Now, granted, it's not as good as it was in the last couple of years, but he doesn't have that something extra yeah. that Barkley does. And he also has some more miles on him now. So, I mean, and, and let me let me ask you this. As somebody who watches a lot of college football, is there yes. a running back that you think coming out next year comes close to what Barkley offers? This year, no. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, I mean to me, again, I have whiffed on my predictions of Trent Richardson. <laughs> I have whiffed. Well, I don't necessarily say I whiffed, but I would say Leonard Fournette has not yet hit that level of, you know, NFL mastery that I think he ultimately will. Okay. But this is a guy though who does who does everything. I mean, this is the closest thing we have seen to a talent level of like what a Reggie Bush could provide. Where sure. breakaway speed and stronger than Reggie Bush, that that threat out of the backfield to catch the ball. He's in that kind of category. Um, I mean, a lot of what I when I, I scouted will, Barkley I will say this though. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, when I scouted Barkley, a lot of what I thought was, look at how bad these tackles are. I mean, how much different is the NFL from the Big Ten? I'm 100% wrong. That was that was all him. I mean, we're seeing one of the most aggressive defensive fronts just completely whiffing on him. It's all him. I mean, right? I mean, when we, we see a Jim Schwartz defense with a front seven like the Philadelphia Eagles, and they just can't tackle him. They're getting free shots at him, and they're just totally sliding right off of him. But I, I just don't think, you know, everything you're saying is 100% true about Barkley. The guy is, yes. you know, I have two points to make, though. Okay. One, you will not, there's not that much evidence in this league in the last 20, 30 years of having that dominant, dominant running back be the, the guy that gets you into the Super Bowl and winning. But Damian Tomlinson, Adrian Peterson, Ezekiel Elliott, I think they have a combined one conference championship game appearance. Okay. So keep that in mind. As great as he is, okay. you know, you need a quarterback. And if Gettleman did not think that Eli was a guy that had enough in the tank, they would not have drafted him. Well, well all I'm saying is that is, is getting Barkley not necessarily also building for the future? It's building for the future, but... If you don't have that quarterback, short-term or long-term, like I said, you're going to fall into Minnesota Viking territory or San Diego Charger territory of great running back, great fantasy stats, exciting uh, highlight uh, film, but don't win. So just – Well, you think, need- you think San Diego has not won because of Phillip Rivers? Well, I mean, when Damian Thomason was their quarterback – I mean, running back – how much overlap was those two back when? He was he was with them for five years. He was with for, with Philip Rivers from okay. 04 to 09. So that was that was your okay. So I'll give you a better example than Barry Sanders. Yeah, well, Maine. Yeah, the guy was the best running back in the league for for quite a while. You know, never did anything. Thurman Thomas for his time late early 90s. Oh, but come on, he went to the Super Bowl how many times? Oh, well, well you let me let me finish. I was okay, gonna say I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was I was gonna say Thurman Thomas. Emmett Smith went to conference championship games, went to Super Bowls because they also had a good Hall of Fame quarterbacks with them as well. Yeah. Now, do you need to draft a Hall of Fame quarterback? Not necessarily, but it can't. You can't. You can't have a scrub. Have, yeah, you can't have a dominant running game, and it just hasn't happened. You know, with very, very, very few exceptions of, you know, occasional success, be the guy that's going to lead you to prolonged success for deep playoff runs. I agree with that. Um, I I, so, I just think that so, I I just think that that signing Barkley is not necessarily a win now move. I I think that no. that that is part of what the future of this team is. I think that this team is this year Eli Manning, Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley. I think that maybe next year it's a franchise a a, a rookie quarterback and those two. Uh, I think that's I think what the identity of this team is. I think it was a complimentary pick yes. to complement what Eli Manning can still do by complimenting him with a superior running back. I do not think it was made as our primary offensive weapon. And also, you can tell that it's not a win-now move and a 2018 move because of the numbers I gave before. 
We're 22nd or 23rd in the league in running attempts. We're not running the ball. If it was a, we got Barkley because we think we, with him, we can go to the playoffs because of him, we'd be running the ball 40 times a game. And the numbers are showing of yardage per attempt, bear out, we'd be more successful than we are right now. So I don't believe all what you said, like that it was a draft different. No, I thought it was a, it was kind of in a way of a more, not as longer term, but a more midterm term. Because I think, again, it's a complimentary pick to an Eli, and that has not worked out so far. What exactly do you think is the move next year? I, I don't want to get too into this because it's far too early. Um, but, but, I mean, the improvements that need to be made, where are they? Well, I mean, I guess <laughs> I tend to take a longer picture than the average fan do. I'm not looking at what do we need to do to make 2019 a team where we can make the playoffs? I think it's, you know, I think there are such structural problems with this team. You know, it's even in this past off season, they made, you know, they made moves and some of them were two steps forward, one step back. Mm. You know, we talked about the offensive line, you know, mm. we drafted a left guard, we signed a left tackle, we signed a right guard. Actually, we signed a left guard and we moved him to right guard when we drafted the left tackle, but we also lost you know, our starting center, and we also lost... Starting could have been Or yeah, right tackle. Right. To free agency. So it was kind of a, a, a three steps forward, two steps back thing. Two guys but it was an hurt. identity change. I mean, the guys yeah. that we got are not replacing the guys that we gave away. They're a whole different kind of... I mean, Will Hernandez is a mauler. Mm-hmm. Justin Pugh was a finesse guard. He's the kind right. of guy who can move and pull and get out in space, and that's what he's good at. Will Hernandez is a bulldozer, right? I mean, this is a change in philosophy on all five spots. So well, I, think I, you, I think you just hit the nail on the head right there for next year. I think it starts off with the rebuild will continue, but let's kind of establish what we want to be. Because after six games this year, I don't know what we're trying to be. Yeah, I can't you know, tell either. We are not a running team. We, you know, we're built like we should be. We're not. We're not a deep threat team. We're not. You know, we're just kind of like a. Trying not to get killed, team. So I think that's part of it. Um, <clears throat> I think the first thing is Gettleman has to make a decision once and for all about Eli. I, that's. It sounds very simple, but you know, the decision is: do we keep him around just for one more year? That changes your builder on Eli plan, or is it we're just going to say, you know, adios? Well, well is, it, is it is it possible? Well, yeah, we already talked about it, but I mean, how realistic is it? that a quarterback is drafted and Eli is retained for his last year as the number one with, you know, that, that, that Jared Goff scenario that I, that I outlined, is that more realistic than Eli just retiring or is it about 50, 50? What what do you think? Uh, Well, I think they're mutually exclusive. I think that, you know, they have the number one pick, they will probably go for a quarterback and Eli may or may not stay. I don't think what Eli's decision is will impact. No, not what they do, but I mean, what, I just want to know what you think will happen. I mean, which well, first of all, which do you think is better for the team long term? Eli playing next year with a number one draft pick sitting for a full year or just throwing that number one draft pick into the fire? To me, Eli being there to start the season and a, a passing of the torch because I think it did good for Eli to sit those first seven or eight weeks behind Kurt Warner. Mm-hmm. Throwing him out there. And remember, I mean, that offensive line wasn't as bad in 2004. Hell as, no, no. Not as, as this shit. So, I mean, again, it goes back to my Kyle Oletta thing. It's like you're not going to get an accurate gauge on what you, quote-unquote, have with Kyle Oletta if you're throwing him to the Wolves. Now, hopefully the plan will be next year, in addition to the three guys we got on the offensive line, we upgrade the other two spots, and the line's a little better little more of a reliance on Barkley and the running game. Make that transition smoother. Um, having a quarterback starting on day one is not, you know, it's the way more teams are going now, but it's not the preferred thing, I don't think. Yeah, I agree um, with you. I think everybody has to understand that, especially the way this season's going to date, and God knows what's going to happen from week seven to week 16, that, Eli has become public enemy number one on this team. He will be. He is now the scapegoat that Eric Flowers is gone, and it's going to have all off season. That's all you're going to hear. What's Eli going to do? Are they going to cut him? Is he going to retire? If he decides to stay, or you know, another thing to look at it too is if he 
if he retires, is it in the best interest of the team to take that $17 million cap money and allocate in different resources? Yeah. That might well, be I mean, the better move. The, the, they're not, oh, they don't owe him anything if he retires, right? He technically is breaking the contract and that's it. It's a clean exactly. break, Exactly. Right? That's okay. where you, that's you, you get, the, I think there's like a $6 million dead cap. I was looking, I saw If he on, retires? If he retires, I, I, I'm sorry, if they cut him. If, if they, they cut him, they owe him money. But if, him. if he retires, it's he just is forfeiting that money, and they don't take a cap hit, right? But again, right. I, I don't think there's any realistic chance that he is cut. I think it's he retires no. or he stays. Yes, he will. He will facilitate that transition over. Yeah. Um, but I think personally he's going to retire. Okay. My own personal feeling. Um, I want to bring up something also, but we had talked about this on, I think, last week's episode about um, – franchise quarterbacks and you brought up the point that not every year there even is a franchise quarterback because okay. you you always make the point about the player they may not, not the position might, the player not the position they may not find anybody that they think is worth it um i went back for the last 10 years okay and listed all the top three quarterbacks that were drafted okay so i'm making this assumption that the, the giants are going to draft in the top three spots which is kind of looking like that's the way it's going to go I'm not going to talk about 2018 because we don't know. It's a it's a complete we don't know. And even starting with 2017 is still a little we don't know the future. Mm. The top three quarterbacks were Trubisky, Mahomes, and Watson. Okay. I, I I think we can safely say that those are you know at least two of those guys, potentially a third because it's still pretty early. Are we can define this as franchise quarterback, Pro Bowl quarterback legitimate starting quarterback for the midterm future. Okay. So, uh, just just, just okay. to be clear, when I yeah. say that n- when you're picking a quarterback every year, I do think that there is a legitimate starter that is drafted every year. That's yeah. the lowest that I think, yeah. But, I right. mean, whether or not he's a pro bowler or a franchise player, which you would put franchise above. Yeah. Okay, okay. I want right, somebody who's like – going to put you in the best position to succeed over multiple years, not just somebody right. who's just At there. least beyond the rookie contract. He's yes. a franchise player, then he gets that, that fifth, sixth year, he gets a new contract. Yes. Okay. So okay. 2017 was Trubisky, Mahomes, and Watson. We could safely say that at least two of those and possibly three fit that bill. Which two? I'm curious. Mahomes and Watson. See, I'm not as sold in Watson as you are. I think he's going to be a stud. I think he. I think he's still on a pretty terrible team. Yeah. And I think. I think he's got. A I think he's got a bad coach. I, I agree with you. He's got a very bad coach. I'm just. I think. I'm not. He, when it comes to guys with his skill set, I think a lot of it is just figuring them out. And I don't want to go down a path of Colin Kaepernick, but you know, because you, this podcast didn't exist, but you know that I was not a fan of Colin Kaepernick's game. True. I think a lot of his success was simply the year that he hit the field. They just. Defenses didn't know what the fuck to do because he had a cannon for an arm and he could run like a deer. Mm-hmm. But once he was figured out and it was the year that he started sitting, being sat, and mm-hmm. it, you know it got muddled into the controversy, but he was not playing well. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of guys with that skill set of the run and also throw, about 50% of them at least get figured out and become ineffective. And I think okay. I'm still thinking that it's too early for me to say on Watson, which it's going to be. Okay. So, so I'm not on. sold on that. I, I say he's a starter. Okay. 2016, Goff, Wentz, Paxton Lynch. Well, two of those, I mean, definitely. Two of those three, yeah. Uh, 2015, Jameis and Mariota. I think neither one of those are pro bowlers. None of those are pro bowlers, but they, you know, they're starters. I don't think they're, they're, they're starters. I mean, I, I mean, think are we, that, do we think Winston is going to get a second contract? I don't think so, but I think Mariota will. I think if oh. Tampa Bay gives him a contract, it's not necessarily that he deserves it. I think it's just a badly run organization. Yeah. Mariota, same thing. I mean, what do we know about Tennessee? I mean, does he really deserve a second contract based on what we've seen? Is his injury history part of why I didn't like him coming out of it? You know, mm-hmm. as a guy like he is. So, okay, um, I'm not convinced that either one of those are franchise guys. Okay, 2014, Bortles, Johnny Manziel, and then the second round, Derek Carr. Um, Derek Carr, I think, I think is a Pro Bowl level quarterback. He's getting screwed because of a regime change. 
He also Great. has injury. The injuries, I mean, are also part of that coaching move, but he didn't have a big injury history as far as I know in college. His his value and the outlook on him changes completely if he doesn't get hurt right before that playoff run because right. that team was primed for a playoff run. And but now we agree the other two are garbage, right? I mean, Bortles did take a team into the championship game. That's It's yeah, something to be said. He's neither a franchise player or a pro bowler. No. He's a starter. He's not, but... He's a starter. He, he Manziel. Would, he will. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And Manziel is a nightmare. Manziel at, at the time had some debate. Now didn't we have yeah. 2020, you know, vision with yeah. too, right? But you know, that was one of those things where someone's going to take a reach, and it could have panned out well, or it could have. This was the worst case scenario with him. And of course, it, of course it was Cleveland that that made the choice. Yeah, so. but it wasn't also. No, it wasn't. It wasn't something I could totally criticize at the time. He didn't flame out because of his. He just sucked on the field. There was so much other stuff going on. Yeah. That, 2013, this is probably the weakest year. E.J. Manuel, mm. Geno Smith, mm-hmm. and Mike Glennon. And he Glennon went in the third round. Uh, so yeah, no, all three of those guys were not good. That's the year where, you know, you could say there really wasn't anybody. And I think it's safe to say that the 2019 class is better than this one already. Oh, sure, so yeah. Okay. 2012, Andrew Luck, RG3, mm-hmm. Tannehill, Brock Osweiler. I mean, Luck is, you know... Well, well Osweiler, no. We'll, we'll start from the other direction since we already know yeah. the other two. Yeah. But Osweiler, uh, no. No. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, you know, I think he could play... He's, at the time, I didn't think he was worth much. He's performed well enough to be a pro bowler, but I don't think he's going to wind up staying in Miami. I mean, the people down there don't really like him. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, RG3 is another one where he had an ACL tear already coming out of college. What you fear most with a guy like that is another ACL tear is exactly what happened to him. Mm-hmm. Um, if he had not gotten hurt, would he be a franchise player for Washington? Probably. Right. Um, oh, yeah. And Andrew Luck, I mean, we knew was a, a stud. Yes. 2011, Cam Newton, mm-hmm. Jake Locker, mm-hmm. Christian Ponder. But in the second round... Andrew Dalton and Kaepernick. Andy Dalton and Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Um, Andrew Dalton is a solid starter, a fringe. Yeah, yeah. You know, all-star. He's, he puts up big numbers, not yes. a winner. Colin Kaepernick, I already said what I think yes. about his on-the-field play. Mm-hmm. Um, Cam, Jake is Locker, a... Cam, Cam is a legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I, I think he is... Yeah, he's a, he's a franchise player, but I also think that he's overrated. Mm-hmm. But but I, I can't lie. Uh, Jake Locker is garbage. Yes. Uh, i got two more. Uh, 2010, Sam Bradford, Tim Tebow, Colt McCoy. All garbage. Well. You didn't know Sam Bradford was going to be garbage. He definitely, in college, was a stud. Well, Bradford had injury problems, too, which really hurt his career. Okay. I mean, he, you know. But, I mean, he he's not a franchise player, right? We agree? Right. I, I'd say because of all the injuries, too. I, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, again, you know my Tim Tebow stance. The guy won a playoff game and got cut. Sorry. <laughs> and, you sorry. Know, and I understand it. If you have the opportunity to get Peyton Manning, but to me, the fact he never got another chance anywhere after coming off a playoff win. He played for the Jets. Yeah, but never really got a chance. I mean... I, I'm and, just going to say he's 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 not a franchise player. He's not a no, pro bowler. No, no, no. Maybe, no, no, maybe no. he could have been developed into a starter, but... Where he was drafted was not correct. I also thought it was an incredible reach when they drafted him. I was shocked. I was watching the draft, and all of a sudden, they cut to his house, and they showed him congratulating. I was shocked. Yeah. So. Um, who was after Tebow? I forget. Uh, Colt McCoy. Uh, he was the guy I actually thought was going to be better than he was. Yeah, that was um, a... Uh, I didn't think he would be year. a franchise player, but perhaps a pro bowler. Uh, mm-hmm. I really thought that he was... What, what I... You know... Whatever. It doesn't matter. I, I thought that he was more than just a starter in this league. Unfortunately, he went to a bad Browns organization that didn't really care about developing anything. They wanted to win right away. Mm-hmm. And then the last one in 2009, Stafford, Sanchez, mm-hmm. Josh Freeman. Now, Josh wow. Freeman wasn't much of anything. Ever. Mark Sanchez, you could feel, is a victim of circumstance if he had better offensive coaching. Yeah. You know, remember... They went to the championship game two years in a row, rookie year. Right, rookie year and second year. Grant had a great defense, but didn't have many offensive tools around him. But would you say he was a pro bowler? 
I don't think he was a pro bowler, but I also think his career was hurt by, again, having a team that was so defensive oriented and a head coach that didn't care about offense as much. And, you know, he, he slowly regressed each year where it felt like if he was in a different situation, probably could have got better. Hmm. And Stafford, you know, again, is a Stafford's a franchise player. He's an ultimate um, fantasy football guy with numbers and stuff. But I mean, he's a franchise player. They've won because of him. That's true. Um, Yes. I, I think that there is, Again, it's too early for me to look at this college class and say this guy is going to be the guy in the league. I mean, we could even look at that at the end of the college year, and we'll be wrong about some things. Um, but it's too early for me to say that now. And But it's not too early to say that we think there's a group, a group of guys to make the decision. We have the opportunity to get one of these. Let's go for the, the one we think is the best of the bunch. Yeah. Yeah. I don't – I mean – I understand they drafted Kyle Oletta, but if you have the opportunity, now we're talking if we shit the bed to end up two and fourteen or three and thirteen, we get the second pick again. Because remember this year, all these teams that suck don't necessarily need quarterbacks. Yeah, Indianapolis sucks pretty hard. They don't need a quarterback. Uh, who are the teams that are, are terrible this year? The Browns are still bad. They're not drafting a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Jets, even if they, even if the Jets end up like five and eleven. They don't need a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, all these the, – the benefit of this year of having all these quarterbacks picked last year is they don't need them this year. So – Well, I mean, Tampa Bay still has a chance to fall. They're not doing particularly well. They might need a quarterback. Well, that's, a, that's the question going to be is what are they going to do? Yeah. And again, Buffalo is another thing. They don't need a quarterback, but their decision on quarterback – I don't know. I, I mean, if you get a new regime in there, which is possible – if you invested a first, if, you, if there's a whole new regime, that's possible. But yeah, that's that's what this, I mean. This regime is back next year. They are not going to no, they won't. one year yeah. reverse course on a guy they spent a first round pick. But on. I mean, do you think there's a legitimate shot that there's a regime change in Buffalo? Every terrible team has a chance to regime change. There I mean, know. the Giants have a yeah. You know, okay, so let's ask that question. No, I don't just, think so though. We're opening up the floor. I, mean, I think I think that Dave Gettleman came into the Mara's office and told them what the plan was, and it involved multiple years. I don't think he's the kind of guy who goes in there and, and tells them, I can fix this team right now. I can get mm-hmm. you a, a playoff team. I think he very intelligently was like, look, you got a mess. You're going to have a quarterback change pretty soon on your hands. This is how it's done. This is how I'll do it if you hire me. It's going to take some time. you got to give me some time. I think that's how it went. I, I, I think. I, I mean, what we've seen from him is a no-bullshit attitude that I think walked into the mayor's office. So I, 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 I don't I, think there's a regime change coming. I think there's a 100% chance that Gettleman is back. I think the mayors are completely tuning out what the fans have to say and the media has to say. They, they understand it's not a, you know, this is not a short-term fix-it-now thing. I do, however, would put it at probably 85 to 90% chance that Shermer's back next year because— yeah. Well, yeah. He could completely lose this locker room this year with this Eli thing. You already see, and also with some of the uh, the Beckham stuff. Sure. And he has. This is a very now granted that you're going to see a lot of churn in this roster in the next year. You know how much? How many was it? Forty percent change from last year. Mm-hmm. Expect expect to see something similar this year. So you'll see a lot of malcontents and a lot of guys that are on this roster now may not be back next year. Do you think are leaders? You know, you may not see Janoris Jenkins back next year. You may not see, you know, some guys Shit, like that. Landon Collins may, may not, he may not be back. But the thing is, if, if he loses this locker room, because if this team spirals out of control, two and 14, the Eli thing just completely tears the locker room up. Eli uh, Beckham is more and more of an issue behind the scenes and other than the, like the, superficial nonsense you see on the field. Uh, you know, we saw Janoris Jenkins last year turn it off. We saw lots of problems at the secondary last year. A lot of those guys are still back. They might just say clean slate, start over again. And quite frankly, he doesn't have the coin to survive multiple, you know, problems. I mean, this is a guy that was a failure at Cleveland. <laughs> you know, you are what your record is, you know, the, there's not that many guys like Belichick who can have a second life or a Pete Carroll. So I would not be shocked if he's not back next year. 
I think at this, at this point, I would say I'd be shocked. I do agree with you that there's a there is a chance, given the rest of the year and how much time is left, that it could come to that. I do think that Mike Shula is more at risk. I think he's more at a sixty percent chance already that he's back with the team. James I Betcher, it, I think, is maybe like an eighty-five percent chance. Yeah, I think it depends on again with that conversation they're going to have to have when the season's over. Is what do we want to do? And again, we're we're talking about this in a doom and gloom kind of situation, and it's totally fair why. But we're yeah. coming off of a yeah. Thursday night game, so we knew that this game was not going to be pretty, win or lose. And yeah, it was a very ugly loss. Four but days, but four days before that was a very good-looking loss. You know what I mean? Like we we are looking at this in a doom and gloom fashion, but this could very easily turn around in the eleven days rest they get and how they perform against Atlanta, a bad Atlanta team, by the way. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll have a whole preview episode, etc. <laughs> I get that, but I'm also looking at this at the third poll right now. Yeah, and sure. I, I, we, are, we are starting to see trends. We are starting to see things that are, you know. I, I guess so. The bottom line is the last question I have for you, Grump, is where do you give this team right now? Worse than you thought it would be? What you expected? Better than you thought? I mean, what? Just well, I think know, I already answered that. I think very like simple. I, yeah, I, I think I already answered that. What I saw against Carolina is what I expected, and I think that's a more accurate picture of what this team is versus a Thursday night game. Unfortunately, it has to be that way when we have this conversation. Um, I don't think a Thursday night game is representative of any team. They either perform way better than they are because the other team isn't prepared or they perform way worse than they are because they're not prepared. Um, That's a whole other conversation. Is this team about what I expected? Based on what I saw against Carolina, because I think it's more fair, yes. This is about what I thought they would be. Uh, You know, the little details of uh, I thought we would be running the ball more. I thought there was going to be a commitment to shit like that. I thought the defense would be more aggressive. Yeah, that's different than what I thought. But based on the the on-the-field performance, the score, that's about what I thought. This team would be a not-good team that was hanging in there. And and also getting better from, you know, week one to week six. Yeah, I think... um... I expected a lot of inconsistency. I always the Carolina game to me represents the high level of that inconsistency. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think, I think this Philly game is the low point, but I also think this is not as low as what last year was. I mean, people forget about that Rams. The Rams game, game was awful. How atrociously bad that was. I was embarrassed. Uh, you know, it was embarrassing. I wouldn't say that Philly game was embarrassing. I'd say a Super Bowl team, winning team, beat a team that's not very good. Um, is there a, I mean, like I said, one of the big problems you have with bad teams is inconsistency. It's going to be up a little, down a little, up a little, down a little. I think if you looked at, if you plotted this team along a chart, it's going to look kind of like some stairs, slightly better, falling down, slightly better falling down. I think this team is better than it was in week one. Yeah. I don't think it's a whole heck of a lot better. Nope. And this is about what I expected. If you kind of plotted the mean of everything, it's about where we were. I also say losers lose, and you know mm-hmm. the record is about what I expect it to be until this culture fully changes, and you have to get rid of players that a aren't NFL players, get some depth, and get guys that you know from the past regime that may not be 100% on board with this current regime. You have to flush them out. It takes time. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm sorry that this is what we have to talk about again. You know, second year running of this podcast, we're another bad team, but. <laughs> you know the, the good fans stick around, and you get to tell the other fans when you are good that they're just bandwagoners and they don't suffer through the shit. Um, so congratulations <laughs> to you guys for hanging with us, you know, as Giants fans through this, you know, tornado of a season. Um, what are we gonna do? Uh, how are we gonna do this? Because our next game is a Monday night game in Atlanta, which Grump and I will be at again. Yeah, your two favorite mushes, but uh, we're gonna do a normal. Uh, we'll we'll have a Friday yeah, or yeah, yeah. The, the, Friday morning. Um, there will be our preview episode. We'll have probably a lot more to cover um, with the extra time. Uh, but in the meantime, always follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump. You can follow the podcast too at just giants pod for any updates to that or new episodes that come out. Um, you know, if anything is to happen between now and then, that's an earth shattering move, such as Eli being announced to be benched or, you know, some bullshit like that. <laughs> I, there will be an emergency episode between now and yes. then, but I, I, at this point, the Friday morning is what we are 
you know, going for. And then following that, we have a bye week, so there will be some time off. You don't have to listen to us. How about that? <laughs> yes, and I'll have my equipment with me. I'll be on the road this week in Indiana. But if uh, breaking news does happen, we will be available in the moment's notice to, to whip something out for you yeah. guys. So mm-hmm. um, be sure and catch me, as always, on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. If you want to hear a happy story, check out my companion companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan. We talk all things Florida Gator football, where a very similar situation from the Giants, where we had a new regime, new schemes and everything, and things are going very swimmingly as we are knocking on the top ten with a major battle against Georgia in two weeks. So when you hear a happier version of what this giant story could be still, check that out also on iTunes and SoundCloud as well. And as always, please give us a five-star rating and a lovely review. It does more than you think, and it also makes us happy. So that would be, be really sweet if you guys could do that. Um, we appreciate yes. all the feedback that we do get and the interactions that we have with you guys. Uh, you know, Just simple things like looking forward to your podcast on this, that, or the other subject. You know, it you know it means a lot to us. We put a lot of work yeah. into this. So. Ask, a, ask a question on Twitter. We'd be more than happy to answer you. And, yeah. you know, we encourage the uh, – something is, you know – bring up an interesting conversation we would bring it up on the podcast it's something we can discuss on air so it'd be uh, yeah exactly you know, we're always looking for show prep so help us out yeah and we'll we'll see you Friday morning so uh, go Giants go Giants <laughs>